Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Discourse. Today I'm being joined by a friend of the show, friend of the planet, and I want to say you're the most prolific podcaster I know uh, insofar as you have many, many podcasts and I've been lucky enough to be on quite a few of them. Alex Patak. Hello, Brandon. Thank you for having me here in the discourse. No, I'm glad to have you here because, you know, I've been promising the listeners, I've been promising the fans and the haters alike that I would address one of the most pressing concerns of our time slash generation, which is my personal opinion on the movie Avatar 2 Way of the Water. One of the most pressing concerns of any generation, I'd argue. And that's what I'm here to argue today. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but as of the time of recording this, Avatar 2, Way of the Water, I keep struggling not to say blue is the warmest color again, um, is... Blue is the color of water. Yes, that... Well, I mean, I guess that's debatable, but we won't debate that on this podcast. It is not a science or educational show. Google seafoam green. See what your computer gives you for seafoam green. What if it's like a red algae bloom? then, you know, the, the ocean can be many colors. And, that, and, the, and really, I think that is the ultimately the point that Avatar 2, Way of the Water, is trying to make, that the blue can be, no, the blue, the sea can be many colors, including the color of friendship. Um, and so, I mean, as of recording, Avatar 2, and this is funny because when we went to go see it together, you know, spoiler alert, Alex and I went to go see it together, you said you didn't think it was going to be popular or good or well-liked, and you were wrong on two of those in the sense that now it is the third highest grossing movie of all time. It recently just beat out Titanic, although they are re-releasing Titanic in theaters this Valentine's Day in order to, I guess, corner the market for movies. There's more people now, so they there's a higher chance that mo even more of them could go see Titanic because there weren't that many around in 1997. It also feels like James Cameron looked at the top five movies, you know, of box office smash hits and decided that he wanted to have all five of them all of a sudden. And so he's just going to just edge out the Marvel Cinematic Universe and push them into irrelevancy. And by irrelevancy, I mean only making two plus billion dollars as opposed to three plus billion dollars worth of revenue. Yeah, I couldn't have been more wrong with the financial and cultural success of the film. Um, I was right in that it is dumb and bad, but that actually doesn't matter at all, which is what we're here to get into today. I saw the first Avatar in theaters. I not only saw it once, but I saw it twice in theaters. Oh, wait, wait, I wait, Brandon, we have to address this. You do know that this movie came out in 3D. And we saw it in 2D. <laughs> I'm like the dumbest person alive. Maybe we missed like the, the impact because it was only in two dimensions. I sincerely think that. I don't think we really got like what it was like when the whale flipped upside down and attacked a boat. That was one of my favorite parts, I will say. The whale, the whales, and we'll get into this, but yes. the whales, I have Spoilers. no... I, oh, well, I do have complaints about the whales, but most of my complaints are not about the whales, which says a lot. Here's my complaint. Not enough whales. That, yeah, that's one of my complaints. I was going to say, though, you know, speaking of the cultural part of Avatar, I don't know if this movie has been as big of a cultural success as, like, the first Avatar movie. It seems quaint to remember back all the way to 2009, but people, like, damn near jumped off of buildings because they saw Avatar too many times. They wanted to be like their hero, Jake Sully. They were depressed. People were, like, suffering from, like, depression based on the articles and propaganda outlets I remember reading at the time because they literally could not be eight-foot-tall cat people after seeing the movie Avatar. They couldn't plug their tails into the, the tree hub like their hero. I can't name a second person in the film. <laughs> I, I don't know what was going on in 2009 uh, that made people really want to be giant cat people. I know it was Obama's um, first the year, the first year of Obama's presidency. Maybe that had to do with it. But it was part of cash for clunkers. This time around, despite all the money, it feels like less people are talking about how much they like Avatar and how it's changed their lives than more people are just like going to see it because there are more people. And, you know, people are more real now. They don't have to talk all the time. They just go and they watch they watch movies that make them dream. Mm. So 
I did not rewatch Avatar 1 in preparation for this movie. I'm glad that I did not do that. And the reason why I'm glad I didn't watch Avatar 1 for watching Avatar 2 is because Avatar 2 is Avatar 1. It's the same thing again. You would be bored. That is, I think, the biggest thing about Avatar 2, my biggest complaint about it, is that ultimately it's the same movie in terms of like themes and plots, which, you know, again, you know, you could forgive that, but with like a thin layer of like Disney Channel original movie slapped over it. Because one of the main critiques, I guess, it seems quaint now again of the first avatar was that it was too much like movies like pocahontas it was too much like fern gully it was too much like you know dances with wolves any movie about like an outsider that integrates themselves into a community for some point or reason and then learns that they're you know the community's positions on things are correct avatar 2 is kind of also about that but instead of being like pocahontas or dances with wolves it's like it's like johnny tsunami <laughs> in yeah, my it's opinion like, it's like avatar one but it's also like johnny tsunami or like an episode of degrassi um but so i guess that's my first critique you know my my first takeaway of avatar two is that it definitely feels long but it's also just avatar one again first takeaway for you uh first takeaway for me is there is no goddamn reason this movie had to be th- over three hours long um, not that much stuff happened in it. It cost a lot of money to do that. And I'm saying this recognizing that I'm an idiot who is wrong about how to make movies. And that I've been to film school and I've learned nothing. Because what people want is a movie that's over three hours long. But I can tell you watching this thing that the slice with the whale in it, which is over an hour of film, is the only enjoyable portion of the film. And there's a two-hour buffer around that where you just gotta sit and become part of Pandora. And so in that way, it kind of transcends uh, typical movie making and becomes more of, (laughs) it becomes more of like an experience you have to have because at around 20 minutes in, you're going to be looking at your watch and just being like, I got to get used to this. This is my life now. I live here in Pandora. I think that's what it's trying to, that's where it's trying to take you. Ultimately, it's trying to take you to the world of Pandora so that you can, you know, forget how boring your life on the real world is on planet earth but it turns out that pandora in some ways is also very boring it's actually extremely similar to earth in the ways it is boring well not only is it extremely similar to earth in some ways because like that again you know one of the critiques of the first movie which is because it's a simple movie is that the world of pandora even the cat people are very human-like and some people if they are being rude might say it's because you know they want you to still find them attractive and they don't want adults to not want to fuck the cat people. Yes, I do know know, some people who say these kinds of things. I would never say these kinds of things, certainly not on my own show, because I don't want to be held accountable for slandering one of the world's most highest earning movies. But But the opinion is out there. The opinion has been shared um, by people. But I think what makes this movie long, and, and all movies are long now, every movie has to be at least over two hours now unless it's a horror movie and then it can just manage to be under you know i would say an hour and 45 minutes if you're lucky this movie is three and a half hours long because it's actually multiple movies or at least one full two hour plus movie with like a two-part episode of like boy meets world in the middle (laughs) like like that's what really extends the length there's just a big chunk in the middle where you have like a episode of a high school show play out where like jake sully's kids of which he has many many of whom and whose names i cannot recall i can only recall jake sully's name um i can now remember the name for spider after i said that i I remember the spider too so let me i will say i thought i wasn't gonna like spider as a character but at least spider had something to do you know spider had like an arc where jake sully has about four kids one of whom is sigourney weaver uh for some reason and a big chunk of the movie is spent with the kids becoming acclimated to not being forest cat people but to being like sea cat people and well you know and they're also biracial yeah yeah they're biracial is that maybe the degrassi part of it for you is that 
<laughs> it was a, it was doing alien but what if sigourney weaver was also dealing with race stuff well what made it degrassi for me is that ultimately you have a planet of like a hive mind essentially these like cat people are like a hive mind they live in perfect harmony with nature they live in perfect harmony with like each other mostly except for like tribal sort of like who's going to be the chief who's going to be the head warrior kind of stuff but in avatar 2 you also see that they have like a tendency for you know high school level bullying for perfectly nature hippie harmonious people the moment like those water tribe I mean, i'll just say water tribe guess what they are the moment the water tribe see that the forest tribe is like a slightly darker blue they immediately don't like them oh no, <laughs> yeah and you know that's what makes it feel and i'm not the first person to make this uh what's the like they can't swim yeah, they can't swim, but that's just like a vehicle for them to be different. And so that's what makes it feel like a, you know, a episode of Degrassi or an episode more specifically like Johnny Tsunami, because really you could replace swimming with like this kid is a football player, has to move to, uh, like you know, Canada from Texas for their, you know, dad's job. And in this town, they don't play football. They play ice hockey. And so the kids have to learn to play ice hockey in order to fit in. And, and you know, that's what the, that's what the middle of... It really of, does. It, 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 it neatly inserts itself over the Johnny Tsunami skies and urchins dynamic, which is a term I only remember because I rewatched Johnny Tsunami last year, sort of the avatar of its time. Well, you remember skies and urchins, but if I ask you to name, like, three of Sully's kids, I don't think you could. Spider, adopted, parentheses. Well, yeah, you only remember the white kid. The blue kids are... That's you true. Know, they that's an <laughs> implicit racism. It's the implicit racism that comes with not living in a blue society. Well, here's also what a big thing was, and this was my main complaint for the movie, is not only is it three hours long, which, like, I watch a lot of crap. I mean, my other main show is an anime show. I watch a lot of bad television. I understand sometimes things are... 300 minutes long but the issue with this one is and this may be because i kind of have face blindness in real life and it's like a thing i've come across before working as a waiter and stuff is i can't recognize who is who but all of the blue people because they are like avatar cartoons i couldn't like i didn't know which ones were which the whole movie and so when they would (laughs) they would show spider i'd be like that's by God. There Thank he is. God. We, we have we have a white person on the screen. I, you're you're right though. Look, this they, may sound bad, but it's a real complaint I have about the, the film. They they don't do enough to differentiate. The laziness of the writing comes through a lot more in this one, I think, than it did in uh, the first Avatar because it's just a more classic story. And it's just very clear that like every person in this movie is just like a stand in for some like point that James Cameron wants to make about like not just, you know, colonialism or imperialism, but he wants to literally tell every story on the planet of pandora there's no story that he, he wants doesn't to tell feel all of the stories in his old movies again too yeah yeah he wants to do like a story about like a single minority mother um like struggling to feed her children due to systemic racism but with like cat people on like a forest planet and he doesn't seem to understand that that's not like a good idea it's certainly something you can do but it kind of cheapens both of those things like pandora no longer feels like a planet full of like real i mean the planet that has the capacity to feel like a real fleshed out place and now it feels more just like a setting for points that james cameron wants to make and maybe that's because it's been so long since the first one but you say the movie's dumb but the dumb parts are like my favorite parts the parts where like james cameron doesn't have faith in the audience is like my favorite part because if you remember the first movie sort of like people learned novice people like still speak novice if you go to like the disney world or whatever disneyland uh avatar place in like wild kingdom they'll still greet you and like native novice and within like five minutes of this movie like jake sully the main character from the last movie 
is like watching his two kids like fight in and they're like arguing in like the native language of novish or whatever it's called and then there's like a real real like childish voiceover that's just like i was on this planet long enough that even the native language started to sound like the voices coming from my old neighborhood yugs and you're like <laughs> what you're just like that's what? when i realized even the old voices sounded like Brooklyn to me now. Couldn't believe it. It's the only time a movie has ever looked you in the eyes and been like, understand this is in a different language. Yeah. <laughs> I assure you. There's a lot of times where, like, that's appropriate. And, you know, I, I think that they could have just, like, transitioned into it sounding like English. But, you know usually even when they do something like that they will like throw in a few like native words like they'll do some code mixing and they'll be like oh you know he's arguing with his brother he so he calls him like a little blank word but it's a slur and like novice just to give a little flavor like he you know, calls him claw twig which is a yeah. terrible slur or makes like a guttural clicking sound or yes. something and this still is like dickhead you're acting like a dick it's just like, <laughs> you're just like like what like what's going on here is it is it because it's all interpreted through jake sully so it's like boomer slang from new york that we can all understand and digest i think it's because it's ultimately now um and it's gonna sound silly it's now a movie primarily aimed at like children and families in a way that like the first avatar quite wasn't that they had to have a lot of children characters and so they couldn't be bothered to teach children how to speak this like weird ass language that they created like you never see children cling on in star trek for that exact reason either and so you know really the part that i think is weird is that if everyone had been speaking in like a broken accent it would have been funny and it made sense in this case though like everyone is speaking english with like a tinge of whatever native accent they might have like a lot of characters seem like polynesian on the water side and so you kind of hear it but to me that just makes the movie seem racist because it means that like jake sully like sees people who like look like polynesian people in yes. his own like <laughs> in, like on his planet and automatically assigns an accent to them based on that as opposed to like it just sounded like it would sound like when any normal person speaks to him well they have to they have to dis display for you that they have different uh, uh, Pandora accents like that has to come across because otherwise you're not going to understand the huge cultural difference this is the water tribe it's the premise of because we're getting four more of these or three more of these right each one is just based on a different race James Cameron is going to talk to you about the, the next one's the fire tribe it's going to be James Cameron's commentary on India I can only imagine I was about to say, what race do you think the fire tribe is going to be? <laughs> if you're going to no, make a shot in the dark. Just pick a race, any race, shot in the dark. Mexicans. It's going to be all about, like, people, they're going to put Brazilian. them all in, like, sombrero, sombreros or have them mm. making, like, tacos. It's, like, it's just a little, you know, the first movie was simple, but I think this movie comes across as, like, a little bit more childish than, like, simple. And that's because, like, the premise is all over the place, obviously. Like, I guess we haven't talked about the actual plot of the movie, which is the first movie again, but, like, if you replace... Well, really, it's the first movie again, but Johnny Tsunami, and then, like, also Free Willy. When we say the first movie again, and I really think that the, the clarification is important here. We don't mean that it's, like similar to the first movie we mean they revive the cast of the villains in the first movie in cloning chambers but they're navi now and then they do the exact same movie again with like a different b-plot yeah because the b-plot this time is not like him falling in love with zoe saldana's character the b-plot is johnny tsunami and then free willy which, you, you know, when you're being hunted by, like, mercenaries who have kidnapped one of your adopted kids, you would think that, like, you wouldn't have time to reenact the plot of, like, you know, Phantom of the Megaplex. But they, they do find Jaws the time. at this at one point. So I guess we should talk a little bit about the premise. The movie begins with the now, I guess, Gorilla Navi tribe who have been, because like, like, at the end of the first movie, spoiler, uh, I guess everyone has seen it, so it can't possibly be spoiled. It's made all the money in the world. But for some reason, I'm the only one you know who has also seen Avatar. Yeah, it, it's actually wild. Maybe James Cameron's cooking the numbers. This is like crypto, like he's wash trading tickets, so everyone feels bad for not having seen it until they actually go out and see it. 
it's really an impressive feat in that supposedly millions and millions of people have seen this thing and that no one like could tell you what happened in it well the part that i think that i hone in on is the part where they have to save the whales and so that's the part that i think is the the crux of the plot so in the first movie the bad guys are trying to get unobtainium which is their word for the rare mineral that is going to save the or solve the energy crisis back on earth and you know a lot of people made fun of the name too hard to say they were too they couldn't wrap their small minds around it exactly uh so they got rid of the MacGuffin of that and instead this one is about how um Jermaine from the Flight of the Concords is helping a Australian sort of whaler hunt the native whale species on the planet Pandora who have like a essentially like what uh, the ambergris sack on a whale is used you know I guess is the real life equivalent but instead of being used for like perfume and other sorts of like scented oils like the ambergris sack on a whale is the like navi whales ambergris literally turns humans immortal um and pretty so good it's pretty good hard to argue with that one high market value yeah, they say each like tube of it is like worth eighty billion dollars or some crazy amount. It's worth two avatars essentially, and so they're hunting those whales specifically. While also the villains from the first movie, who are now Navi, are hunting Jake Sully and his family because they want to kill them. So that they because they're attacking the installation on the planet. They also want revenge for themselves because they're dead and they're zombies put into Navi bodies. <laughs> yeah, they they don't do enough with that, I think. That's a pretty interesting concept. It's really terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's really, you know, you just wake up and they're like, oh, yeah, you're dead. You're dead. You have to avenge yourself. Oh, by the way, your son has been adopted by aliens. Not only aliens, though, but see, Spider's a memorable you. character and he's sticking out for a lot of not racist reasons for me. I think that, you know, people judge Spider incorrectly because of the, the white people dreads. You know, he looked he looks a little bit like Tarzan, the animated movies. He has like the white people dreads. He kind of moves a little bit like a gorilla moves at some points. Like he's very like agile. Because um, all of his friends run up trees like they parkour up trees all the time. So he's like kind of buff from that. But also so you think he's like 10 because he's always hanging out with people twice his size. But no, it's just that he's a human and they're Navis and he's actually like a buff teen. Exactly. And, you know, for, you know, for me, it's like Spider's story is a real story. It's about him, you know, being kidnapped and having to work through his abandonment issues with his real father, the villain from the first movie who has been resurrected. And then you have like one of Jake's kids. I do not remember what his name is, but he's the younger boy who has like the issue of like fitting in and he's trying to like one yeah you know he's the unfavored son because he's not the eldest and he's kind of a recluse you know he's like he's a little bit more hot-headed than his brother you know cl classic character and then you have like the talking space whale and so the talking and you space know what and i really think we need to get ahead of this before we get into the whale's character you just have to accept that there are whales on pandora like pandora it has uh people but they're cats and it has whales but like their heads look slightly different. Like, it's almost... Like, everything is just Earth rules, but with, like, cop enough change that you can't get hit with a copyright suit by whales later. So you can say, like, these aren't technically whales. Yeah, no. I, I want to say these are just, like, whales. These are, like, legit just, like, humpback whales. Um, They do very little to differentiate them from real whales other than having them speak. And well, um, they get they get stuck in uh, contemporary issues like the main whale has been canceled, and the main by the, whale by the mob. So, like that's actually a really big sort of subplot. Another one is the main whale, whose name I can also not remember. Um, Let's call him Whaley. I'm gonna call him Willie. Uh, oh, because, that's like, better. It, 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 yeah, it's a little better. <laughs> Just like rolls bit, off like, the tongue. You know, I, I might get hit with a trademark. Uh, suit but it's simpler so willie has been literally 
excommunicated from his whale community because we find and the reason we find out because for a big part of the movie they kind of hint that he's like a killer whale not like as an orca but a whale who has committed murder um and then you find out that like and, and also the whales are pacifists of he's course. a whale who made mistakes yeah and then you find out that the whale didn't actually kill anyone directly he just encouraged like a band of navi and like other whales to defend themselves from the whaling ship led by the australian and then also jermaine from uh flight of concords which is and, different because he's from new zealand yes it's just different because he's from new zealand and so you find out that like even that violates their pacifism like self-defense is enough to violate the whale's pacifism law and that's why they have excommunicated him and you know his story is, is very tragic like he he explains and I, when i say the whale explains i mean that he they literally do the thing from finding nemo where the whale goes like but then they put like and this is <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts of the movie because you don't think they're going to have like the whale speak English but like then they just like subtitle the whale and it's meant to like you're just meant to understand the whale like beat for beat like they don't do it like a mind meld flashback like he sees his thoughts like he just like it goes from like the whale sounds not being subtitled and then like the kid go i think he just says like why are you so in so much pain just tell me what happened willie and the whale just goes like <laughs> and it just subtitles to like it's i'm sorry my past trauma is too painful to communicate at this moment um maybe later once we build a, a more trust in our friendship i'll feel more comfortable with that and it's like you know i'm not saying the whale should have spoken a little bit like frankenstein but like it would have helped to make the whale not so articulate i think the whale shouldn't <laughs> use so many therapy terms the whale shouldn't be telling the children that his whale costume is uh, his whale culture is not their whale costume he shouldn't be using uh words like trauma uh, he he says very politely, like, I would prefer not to speak about my past or, or something to the kids. And then they understand and they do not ask again. Yeah, they don't ask again. And then they just get told by someone else, like, which is, again, the big no-no in, in the self-care community. You can't just be expressing other people's trauma for them by, like, the leader of the Water Tribe. Uh, he tells what happened with Willie that he but just, Willie is know, canceled, so fuck him. Yeah, you're not allowed to communicate with a canceled whale. That's, that's, He's the that's Louis really C.K. of whales. I don't know. I think that's going a little strong. <laughs> that's ultimately the movie. Like, the movie is just these three people, you know, Spider, Willie, and then Jake Sully's youngest son. They've really minimized the role of Jake Sully in this. I guess that it's because Sam Worthington is not a really high-built actor anymore. 13 years later so they don't feel the need to give him as much screen time but like yeah those I would three say the are parts th where he's on screen are the worst parts of the movie so yeah yeah he he's he's not really as good as bringing the character to life as zoe saldana is the kids are all very bad in the movie as well but they're children and they, i mean the biggest critique of them as actors or at least as characters in the movie is that they don't really need to exist every character but like the whale and the uh the whale the main boy and the i would know, say the little brother guy is more the main character than jake sully is but for some reason because the movie is so long they all get like their own novella in it so it's kind of like confusing to keep track of but like i would say he's the main driver of events well i mean he is but a lot of like the story that he's going through is like just how like horny he is for the main girl that they meet because that's a big part of like their introduction to the water tribe too and that was another laugh out loud moment in the theater when they arrive on their like you know in the movie it is like literally those uh flying raptor creatures that they have but you can kind of imagine them like driving to their new suburb in you know calgary ontario canada from texas in a minivan if you'd like to make make the movie more relatable and he just like sees the chieftain's daughter like come out of the water and she just has like the most perfect tiktok hair <laughs> it's just like, she does like she a like maximum hot 100 entrance into yeah. avatar 2 the way of water and she just like flips her hair and everyone and it's just like slow motion it's the movie your adrenaline doubles watching this blue woman <laughs> 
It does. The movie at that point just becomes like love don't cost a thing, and she's Christina Milian, and he's Nick Cannon, and you know, I, I guess my way comparing the movie Avatar Two: Way of the Water to other movies is my way of saying that it really lacks the focus of the first movie. There's just too much going on, and that's just like evidenced by the runtime. Also, you know what? And you know, back to the thing of like people we know didn't see this. Um, this is the biggest movie in America. When we say there's laugh out loud moments in the film, you have to understand it's just me and Brandon laughing. And the rest of the theater is dead silent, taking in, this is a sexy blue teen. This is, uh, 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 the whale is explaining his trauma. And we understand that. And it's not funny. Like this is all being taken as high Greek drama. I, I want to say that despite laughing, I found the whales, the whale story to be the most relatable. Yeah, we most... did get a, we got a whole theater wide clap for the when the whale did a finishing move, like a Final Fantasy style ultimate break. That was end. great. That wasn't when, just us. When the whale is able to finally like, and this is a, I think another like I won't say plot hole, but just an inconsistency in the movie. Like the whale at the end is. With, with violence honestly i guess the point of this movie is the that whale violence... woke up and he chose violence yeah so i guess the ultimate point of this movie is that violence is sometimes the answer um even if you're pacifist which you know i guess we can all agree with i don't know if it's the kind of message you normally find in like these kinds of movies it's it's weird be well the whole vibe of the thing is weird because it's james cameron who is a million years old being like i know i've made movies since 1980 or whatever but uh i'm a marxist now and here's my anti-colonial uh opera that i'm doing but also because he's from that generation like that is not the specific lens he would tell you like he would this is not like a man who's like i'm a communist he's just like i think pocahontas had parts where it was right and i'm doing it again He's right. God damn it. He's right. And the criticism he got for that is now why, you know, if nothing else, it seems like he's let the current climate or I guess the current environment of movies make him make this movie worse than it had to be. Because, like, there are some elements of it that, like you said, are, are clearly James Cameron. And then there are some elements of it, like the cute little girl character, like their, like their youngest daughter, whose name I think, remember, is Took. Who like oh. just gets like kidnapped every who just gets like and you kinda don't <laughs> My kinda brain don't just get... lit up when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tough. there okay. are a lot, there are a lot of characters in this, but you kind of forget about a lot of them because they don't have anything to do. Like she just gets kidnapped twenty times. Right. Well that's what would happen in this extreme situation. The other thing too is the tone of it is all up and down because it's partially like look at these animal friends we're making the water and respecting nature is important which is a nice children's movie and at the same time and this may have been because i was just too high for the first hour of the film they like kidnap and torture spider on these swirling green screen green screens in this way that really upset me <laughs> they strap oh, him yeah. in they take spider to abu Ghraib and just like have adam for a while <laughs> they take him to like pandora a pandora black site and they just like strap him into a torture machine and like his dad Run by Edie falco by the way yeah yeah you know they have a lot of big names all-star cast real real big cast and so in his dad who is now in a navi body has to like intervene because he's like dude if you keep this machine on you're gonna like legit melt his brain and then like blood trickles out of his nose and so he has to like step in to just like he's having emotionally a torture stroke him. E.D. Falco is forcing brain damage onto this guy. And then she confronts him and is like, by the way, you're a clone. This is not your son. So uh, let me scramble his brain. And it's like, this is a very dark film. This is zero dark 30, but blue for some reason. That's like a whole, like the, the parts of the, the parts of the relationships in this movie that they choose to emphasize and the points that they choose to go deep on are so strange when that's like such an interesting plot point you could talk about instead like is this kid his actual son do like does he have any responsibility to him you know etc etc but instead they just sort of hint at it instead they just do you know 
nothing with it you hate to say it like there are moments where it kind of like is evidence that they feel affection for each other in some sense but it's never really developed because it's the movie just like the movie is so long and some of the scenes are so long that by the time it like flashes back to like what they're doing you lose all track of time like it seems as though like spider and his uh dad colonel something is are like like hunting Sully's what family across these islands. Yeah, it was anyone's name in this movie. <laughs> you know, it seems like they're hunting the family across like a series of islands over the course of like maybe two or three weeks. But then like when you flash back for those like hour and a half that you spend like watching these cats learn to swim, you know, it seems like they've been there for months. And like that's it's like it's very it's very. I hard hope to it keep wasn't track. months because they were doing terrible damage to these islands. They were really they have like a mylai execution of a whole Navi village. They do. Also, Spider, by the way, and I should be over this. You got to just kill yourself if you're in this situation. Do not let your your fake blue dad scoop you out of Abu Ghraib and then have you lead them to your friends. You just got to bite your own tongue off and die. Because he, he, like, tries to get along, like, maybe I'll get closer with my dad. And it's like, you are now leading the stormtroopers to your family, Spider. It's bad. You got to just get, take yourself out of the picture. Like, yeah, like you're, like, you're a translator for them. Like, you're, like, you, like, you're... Spider acts as like the translator for like the invading army. History does and, not smile on figures like this spider. Exactly, he's a he's a collaborator, you know, in this instance. But in those scenes, you find you know you at least get a sense of like Spider as like making difficult choices and having to make difficult choices. They're so concerned with like the people on Pandora seeming perfect that no one ever has any like realistic like real flaws like oh i want to be close to my dad but he's executing all these native people they they right. have like fake flaws like the pandora like navi people have like fake flaws like there's supposed to be teenagers who have like teenage or you know at least like what we would consider to be average teenage like problems and issues but none of like the other stuff like they you know like they're not destructive in any way like so it just makes their characters inconsistent yeah, like, they, they mess up, and, like, the the main plot they try to get you to care about for Jake Sully's character is that he's an army man, so he's being too hard on his kids, and then Zoe Saldana has to be like, this is not a platoon. You have to love these kids. Uh, but every single one of them, and this is the uncanny part of the film, and uh, I've touched on this a few times, but the fact that the tone keeps switching makes it very hard to interpret. So, for, like, example... Uh, Spider is acting as a collaborator for the Imperialist force this whole time and leading them to villages where they're trying to execute everybody. But then, at the, so in real life, you'd be like, oh, this is, you'd have like the equivalent of Game of Thrones reek, you know, like somebody who's pressed into this uh, punishing, unforgiving, unforgiving situation that they kind of deserve because they've walked into it. But then because it's also a children's movie, he escapes and crashes a full battle cruiser or whatever at the end. And so you're supposed to feel good about it. And it, you just leave just being like, I don't know what to think anymore. This is a fucked up situation we've walked into in Pandora. You know, you can kind of compare him in some instances to another James Cameron movie, like Terminator 2. Like when you have, uh, oh my gosh, and I can't remember the kid's name, uh, Edward Furlong, uh, you know, his John young Connor. John Connor. You're his young John Connor, like being forced to like, keep a leash on this terminator that's going around and would like literally murder anybody if it looks at him funny and like what that's like in that relationship between like an ultra violent person and like a kid who's like oh this guy is super violent in this scenario because like that's the real i think jarring part where like the movie gets to like a point where it's like okay you know like look at all these colorful sea creatures the whales are speaking you know there's there's a scene where like the migrating whales come back from their migration to like speak to like the navi who act as sort of their spiritual brothers and sisters and you could sort of think that's like a symbiotic relationship when they explain it like oh no like you know they're all part of one ecosystem and they rely on each other for symbiosis but no they mean like they're like legit friends like they like they have like right they're close like the matriarch of the whale pod has like a sit down coffee chat with like the matriarch of the water cat people to talk about like you know what it's like being like mothers in this modern pandora economy it's so hard 
It really is. And then you get to like the climax of the movie and it's like super violent. And that's like the best <laughs> part. The best part is like Zoe Saldana's character, who you haven't seen this entire movie really, going like full feral and like stalking around this like battle cruiser, like a, the, the big cat demon that she is, and just like executing humans left and right. And you're like, whoa, this is the, what the movie should have been <laughs> the whole time. She's cutting throats and stuff. This comes out like a whole nother movie, it feels like. She threatens to, like, execute Spider in front of his dad <laughs> it, like, at the end. Sorry, Spider. Like, with, like, a knife to his throat. She's like, I will snap this little bitch's neck if you don't give me if you don't. I do not love him. He is a different race. A son for a son. <laughs> Jesus then, you know, Christ. It's, <laughs> and it's just like, dude, it's just like half this movie was spent with your kid, like, learning how to surf. <laughs> Being taught how, like... <laughs> And like talk to blowfish like it was like the little mermaid it, like if you it was like if you spliced in just like a few scenes from the movie like scream or texas chainsaw massacre into like the like the little mermaid or something towards the end and it made me think like damn if you took your kids to see this and you have like the wrong kind of kid they'd be like super into some of the elements of it like oh there's a kid just like me they have you know one of the things that makes the movie seem like a little bit more like focus group tested is like there's like a kid in it for every age range like they have like a kid that's like 18 and one who's like 16 and one who's like oh my 14 god they do i like didn't even notice 12, that and one who's like eight and so like you can bring your whole big ass family to this and they can all like you know your kid can want to be took i don't know why um but then you would because get to the took end. is eight is why <laughs> exactly took is eight and she's blue and has like took cool should hair not be in this situation becomes a victim anytime uh, uh something happens in the story but she is eight and you're eight She's eight, you're eight, what more do you need? But then you get to the end, and it's like, damn, but, like, isn't your kid going to have nightmares from, like, watching Zoe Saldana, like, like fucking eviscerate this, like, Australian man with, like, a curved blade? And even the parts that are, like, uh, non-issues in the story, like, just the human's landing, are so grotesque and upsetting. <laughs> the The human ship comes down to uh, bring all of the, the army platoon, and it does these reactor jets over a forest, like burning all these dinosaurs to death. <laughs> this is the first thing that happens in the movie. And again, in part of this may have just been that I was too high for it, but I still see it when I close my eyes. No, it's it's really upsetting. It's just like that scene in Fern Gully when, you know, the tractor is just, like, destroying the fucking forest. And they, they did the exact same thing in, like, the first movie when they, like, blow up the tree. It's, like, it's it really is Oh, and the whale hunting similar. scene. The whale hunting scene is super upsetting because, like, literally, like, they make the... And this is the, one of the best parts of the movie. They make, like, the human characters, like, cartoonishly evil. A lot of times when you have, like, m movies that are meant for audiences in the West that are, like, are critiquing, like, colonialism or, like, slavery or imperialism, they feel a need to make, like, one or two of, like, the characters, like, sort of relatable in a way that, like, is meant to redeem them. Like, oh, like, the slave owner's wife kind of cares about the slave. She, like, gives them extra water or something they make the humans in this like cartoonishly evil that's like the best part of james yeah, cameron falco like, loves killing dinosaurs she tortured the shit out of spider she has, <laughs> she's like a wine mom for uh pandora she has a shirt that says like i love coffee and killing dinosaurs absolutely is and it dinosaur murder o'clock yet and then like a funny little drawing there's a scene where they're like hunting the whales and like the Australian guy, which I think Australian accents make for a good villain accent. I think a very, I think, I think that when you're trying to cast a villain, like British is kind of played out unless it's a James Bond movie. You could go worse than like thick Australian. Australian. And what, what this movie does really well too is Americans. And I think this may be a big uh, part of its success. It is the most anti-American movie I have seen on like oh, yeah. a AAA feature in my life. And then they send it to like all of the Middle East and China and everyone is like, yes, this is correct. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's not good. You know, people out there aren't going to watch Top Gun because, you know, there's still like those, uh, you know, there's still that like veneer of American might. This is a movie that like really like lays in like the Australian guy is just literally detailing like why they prefer like hunting single whale mothers. <laughs> like, <in the> most, <laughs> just, like, we like to go after the single moms. They're, like, they're easier they cry to track. more. 
and then their babies just die of malnutrition and you're like wow like you so you just say it like, you know, like <laughs> there's no like there's no like veneer of like ultimately you know they very much could have made the you know made the extraction of the resource a more like i don't know a morally gray thing there are a lot i mean a lot i think i'm thinking just specifically of that one um star trek the next generation movie where they find like the planet that also makes you immortal and like the you know star federations like we gotta mine the resources from this planet so that we can make people immortal or at least cure diseases and like the whole movie oh yeah star trek insurrection is about like you know uh, Picard being on the side of the planet and the natives there who don't want to have their like whole planet strip mined. You know, this movie just like doesn't really address the fact that like, well, yeah, you know, you could definitely could cure a lot of diseases with like this immortality goo. Like basically they're just like... It's good goop. They, it's not just goo. They, I think they at some point they go out of their way to be like, we extract this goo or should we say like soul from the area of the... <laughs> whale that is responsible for all of their happy feelings and pleasant songs and you're like what like what is this we need to rip the life i mean resources from this planet we're, we're using the souls of whale orphans to power this machine uh to power our like our dinosaur burning engines and that's me saying that the united states coalition whale hunting platoon or as we like to call ourselves the pedos <laughs> <laughs> that's the one angle they didn't hit is like by the way they're also but i mean and you know what that would be uh a valid uh analogy for u.s special forces overseas <laughs> who all operate like sex rings and stuff i think you get the exploit you get the exploitation of minors from like the again the torture of the, the graphic like zero dark 30 yeah, torture i don't of know spiders. what i'm asking for i didn't need more of that actually don't put that in there they, they should have <laughs> cut off one of spider's fingers every time he didn't <laughs> give them the information that they needed and then they should have violently cut back to like uh, the teenage boys of uh jake sully learning how to like wakeboard using like space dolphins Took should have at least been a little maimed. She From the was. number of times she got kidnapped, she should have been like, she should have one ear or something. I think one of the interesting things about this movie, though, is that like, it feels very much like you could recreate the original script that was written right after the first Avatar. And then you like just by removing a lot of the elements of this one. And then you can also just see like the parts that had to have been added, like in the past, like two or three years just to get the thing funded. <laughs> right. Yeah. We have to put uh, we have to put covid in here. We have that to was, put that distrusting was... the police. I'm surprised they literally didn't have like a COVID metaphor. I'm surprised that that's going to be in the next one. Like they're going to be like they're going to try to they use, did like, have to wear a warfare. mask. That was part of it. Spider has to wear a mask. Spider does have to wear a mask. By the way, how does he eat? How does he eat food? They they really have to in some ways. Like the first movie uh, establishes certain things that are true about the planet that they really had to like dial back and make you for try to like forget like the fact that like they're not supposed to be able to breathe like humans aren't able to breathe on this like world without those face masks and like they definitely just always have them around then they always have like enough oxygen that it doesn't become any kind of worry like spider can just like hang out for hours in this tree and like there's never a need for him to go get more oxygen even though that was kind of a big plot point in the first movie and I guess also a big plot point in the first movie that in this movie kind of just gets buried is that the big part of the first movie is like whether magic is real or not. Like a big part of the first movie is the, you know, Sigourney Weaver character and the various scientists who are trying to study the Navi, like trying to like establish like biological reasons that they're basically able to talk to trees and like demystify it. They kind of abandon that like that plot in this one. Of course, because you've already seen the first movie. You actually have it committed to memory. It's an unforgettable experience. You know all about that. I've never felt right on this planet since I saw, since I saw the first movie. I, like, ever since I first visited the planet Pandora, I have not felt right. That's why every time I'm at like a suburban mall, I go buy the Pandora and get me a real cheap like um, uh, charm bracelet charm. Get a cologne from your home remind myself what it's like to be surrounded by people who care does pandora have cologne i don't think i've ever been in pandora 
Pandora is like the preferred jewelry shop of like suburban moms. Like you go to Michael Kors and you go to Pandora. I'm surprised. I mean, honestly, I'm surprised there wasn't a Michael Kors on the planet Pandora at this point. You know, with with the level of like, you know, that's just I don't think James Cameron is quite that point. But like there was very little product placement in this movie, which has become very common in other movies, which I appreciate. But like I can I can feel it about to creep in to the next one. They, I don't know if uh, they intentionally made uh, wanted it to be expressed this way because it's supposed to be that the the sky people, the humans who are coming down, are this unstoppable killing machine that no one can uh, resist. But at the same time, they only have a military presence on Pandora. There aren't any commercial uh, infrastructures installed. It's, they have like one parking lot that Ed Falco lives in to torture boys, and that is it. Yeah, they they don't really exist on this planet outside of that. Like when you look at pictures of like Iraq, it's like they're Vietnam. Like this must be a disaster at home. I mean, you gotta say you've got to feel good after when they bring home like the whale souls, and they're like, "This will make you immortal, though." Like you don't have to do that thing that that billionaire is doing, where he just like gets up every day and gets like a prostate exam from his doctor. Right. Just have some whale soul. Yeah. Just 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 put a little whale soul in your coffee. It's not technically whale, but it's whale. It's na- it's na- his name was Willie. <laughs> I can just imagine how it's branded on Earth. Like they're just like a cartoon whale on the bottle or whatever, and that just has like a you know thumbs up. Hey, that's good whale. But I will say you were right when at the end of the movie. I think one of the first things you said to me was that you can't wait for the next one when it's like fire people. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then that turned out to be like exactly what they're doing. It is fire people, and they're going to be an exciting new race. I, well, one thing I heard was that the fire people are being led by Charlie Chaplin's granddaughter, Una Chaplin, um, who I can only assume is going to have some kind of problem that's distinct but very similar to the problem of the first two movies. And, you know, at that point, we're going to see Jake Sully kind of reclaim his title as, like, the leader of, like, the Navi people. By the way, Una Chaplin, 36. I thought for sure she'd be, like, 60 years old. She's Charlie Chaplin's granddaughter. That is not the case. Well, I mean, you know, honestly, I think that, like, the Navi, 36 is, what, 800? Who knows? I I couldn't say. I'm so ignorant to all of the culture happening on Pandora and I need to watch at least nine more hours to really wrap my mind around it. You know, I, I actually, I remember when the first avatar came out and like immediately after it came out, it was like a cultural phenomenon and they were like, this movie is going to have a hundred sequels. And in the first like two, three years after our avatar came out, people were like expecting those sequels. Like people were waiting for the sequels to come out. And I had almost given up on them because it took so long. And then like suddenly here they are and they're now saying like, oh yeah, now no, now we're ready to do like the eight or nine sequels to Avatar that we were not doing over the past decade. And like I honestly think that if they had just churned them out back then they would be better. They'd be better? I don't think so. I think they'd be worse. I think they would be worse in some ways, but better in other ways. I think we've had like a decade of Marvel movies to like make movies need to be more like broad than something like Avatar was. Even if it had broad appeal, like it wasn't so broadly spread in terms of like genres and themes. Here's the thing. When the Marvel movies 2012, 2013 were coming out, people loved them. They were big blockbuster hits everyone was excited like critics gave them good reviews because they were exciting stories or whatever and you hadn't seen 100 of them you'd only seen 10 uh and then we just kept getting them for another 10 years just direct punches to your brain over and over again with these billion dollar budgets 10 times a year and now uh the culture is flattened in this way that makes a safe landing for something like a second Avatar movie. I think if Avatar 2 came out and was competing with Guardians of the Galaxy, everyone would say, hey, two goofy computer movies, but this one has a raccoon uh, uh, in it, and it has Groot. Oh, we love Groot. Whereas now we're all sick of Groot. We throw up on sight when we see Groot, and it's kind of exciting to get Avatar again. Um, that's, that, that is, that's very true. The Avatar, the original uh, 
and this is why I was so wrong about this movie, is I was sure that the success of the original was tied to the spirit in 2009 of cultural change and emerging technologies wrapping around the 3D glasses because it was like the first big 3D movie. And I thought it was like a gimmick that it made so much money. Uh, and I was wrong and I am dumb and uh, I apologize and I'm learning and I'm growing. But at the same time, I do think the 10 year gap has made this a much more welcoming environment for more James Cameron to deliver his, uh, not Bible stories, but important... <laughs> life lessons he's delivering to us through the avatar series and we deserve them and we're ready to receive them now you struggle to come up with like a genre that this belongs to because like it's like a darman video it's just like it's just like a moral tale where like certain characters are like really 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 shitty and some characters are like really 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 good and so there's very little gray area in these movies like an aesop's fable maybe was what yeah. i was looking for I was going to say there's very little morally gray area in this movie, except for like the, you know, the points in which Zoe Saldana like shoots an arrow through someone's brain and it's just like <laughs> the gray area just spreads all over like her like eight year old baby's face or something. It's like it's a wild. Yeah. 3D blast at the camera. So it feels like the brain's on your face. I cannot believe we saw this in 2D. I'm so stupid. I don't think I could have sat through it. Now that I wear like real glasses, I don't think I could have sat through Avatar in 3D with those glasses like for that long. I bet the underwater scenes that I found like really boring and long would have been more majestic for sure. But I can't see how it would have added to a lot of the other parts in the movie because in the first movie, a lot of the 3D was meant. I mean, was like used to like when they were flying through those floating mountains. There's very little of that now. They're just like in a normal ocean. Well, the ocean is very beautiful, Brandon. It is very beautiful, but this is just, like, the ocean ocean. Like, you were saying about the whales. Like, the ocean that they're in, in like, on Pandora is, like, indistinguishable from, like, the normal Earth ocean. Normal ocean. ocean. Like, <laughs> like, even the fish. Like, I'm sure they think the fish look... What about that whole scene where the, the boy's getting chased by the Jaws shark? It's just a that shark. That would have been great in 3D. That would have been great, it, but it, it's still just a shark, you know. Like they, like they're just like sea anemone everywhere. Like there's, their their might have just been like a clownfish. There was very little like alien fauna in this one that would make it, you know, necessary to see the 3D. Like it's just like I know what a shark looks like. You just gave it like a, a few extra armor plates. It was really big. I remember seeing the first one in 3D, and I think people were very, people at the time. I don't remember when 3D was at its most popular, but I think that of all the movies I saw in 3D, and this does not make me, uh, you know, unique, Avatar is the movie that I think was the best in 3D and executed it the best. Every other movie failed to compare to Avatar uh, because Avatar like, sort of made it like a depth of field thing versus like having people stick their hand out and go, ooh, or like yeah. when they did like Final Destination 5 and they would have like, like you know, uh, the racist be hit by a NASCAR car and like the wheel comes out into the audience. It was like not gimmicky 3D. It was like used to enhance, I guess, the feeling of uh, high definition in the movie. But I do wonder, you know, if the technology combined with the feeling of like general, you know, exhaustion with the Iraq war and with the American military is what made a lot more people see the first movie, you know, in America, obviously a lot of what's driving the second movie too is just like global, you know, like you said, like this story also appeals to global audiences a lot. Cause like the villain is essentially like the West. Yes. It's people who come and destroy your home and make malls. Oh yeah, you know, and they do it in like the <laughs> and most. And we have a like, horrible movie way. you can watch if you want, if you want to really stew on that for three hours. <laughs> it feels like coming home, Brandon. It feels like it's everything to everybody that it's trying to be and more or less succeeding at being everything to everybody, uh, but without. And I will say, at least it's not as pretentious as Marvel movies have gotten. In that, sure. in that sense. Like, it's, you know, I call it a children's movie. Maybe that's kind of derisive. I think that the, the cartoons talking whales make it a children's movie. But, like, at least you don't have people, like, at least I haven't seen as many people online who are, like, pretending like this movie is going to, like, solve racism. That's true. I mean, have you seen the trailer for the new Ant-Man? Do you see yes. how, like, convoluted they're making these things so that you can, like, plug in? It's got to be a, a time-space mystery? I... 
I, the Marvel Cinematic Universe had lost me. It lost me after Avengers Endgame, which is now the like the movie that Avatar Two is coming to dethrone at the second most, uh, the second highest box office earning movie. Like I cannot follow the Marvel Cinematic Universe anymore. Like you were saying, I'm a defender of the first few movies. Like I think Iron Man was pretty good. I like the first one. The second one was not obviously. The third one I liked, even though it had its own problems. You know, a lot of the early Marvel stuff was like great, and I don't even mean like the like early early stuff like X Men or like Spider Man with Tobey Maguire, like. Nowadays, like the, everything post Avengers Endgame just feels like they don't know what they're doing. Like they, they, they've really leaned heavily into like, oh, people really like uh, what we did with Black Panther. And by what we did, we mean like slap lazily slap social issues onto it. What if we did that with every movie? <laughs> right. What if Hawkman was about the prison system? Have you ever considered that? I think that's what She-Hulk is about. She-Hulk is about like the unequal ways in which we sentence people of color, and that color being green, obviously, to uh, prison time. Green, the only color that matters in this society, honey. Maybe even James Cameron felt that it was like too much to put out like a hundred Avatar movies in like a two year span. But once you see like the like the next two years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you got to think to yourself like, why shouldn't I? <laughs> why why you know they're full they're full of the slop that i've been giving them but they'll keep eating it they cannot yep. stop eating it if anything like you know i think that like you know james cameron has lowered his expectations and you can see it in the movie and these are rave reviews we're giving it run do not walk to avatar to the way of water a movie that may not be in theaters anymore oh no it's definitely in theaters it, it oh, literally okay. as of recording is has just stopped being the number one box office earning movie behind Knock at the Cabin and uh, that new Tom Brady documentary. Well, we got to see Knock at the Cabin. I, I am a big M. Night Shyamalan fan. I know people think that my old take is ironic, but I have to say, I, you know, I think old is one of the best and the most experimental movies that I've seen in the past decade or so while still being mildly accessible it's actually like the opposite of avatar and marvel movies it's like a movie that has its dialogue written to annoy you <laughs> like, like on purpose yeah. like as opposed to like as opposed to pandering to its audience it defies its audience to watch it it begs you to turn it off go ahead it begs you to show your friends and family it after thinking it's amazing only to have them look at you and be like what the fuck is your problem my mother was so mad at me, I made her watch The Beach That Makes You Old. She didn't it's, understand Four-Door Sedan at all. Four-Door Sedan is one of the most complex characters in cinematic uh, history. I think you got to put him up there with Spider. I think, you know, you you, you go like Spider, Four-Door Sedan, and then Tony Soprano in terms of like characters that people should aspire to be like in movies. And it's crazy you shows. put those three together because that is my desktop wallpaper. You must have the same one I have that's like, you know how sometimes they'll have like in like print or framing shop, they'll have like a really bad oil painting of like Obama playing like cards with Nelson Mandela and uh, like MLK and Malcolm X. I have that exact same style of print, but with like four door sedan, spider from Avatar 2, Tony Soprano, and then a werewolf. Yeah, well, it's it's this really interesting combination where Fordor Sedan and Spider are locking arms. They're they're shaking hands in a way that says like the truce, the pact has been made. And then over their shoulder, a large glow up of Tony Soprano's face, almost like a force ghost, approving, saying, "My legacy has finally landed." Oh, I, oh yeah, no, okay. So like like those ones that they have like Jesus as a ghost in the background are just like Jesus take the wheel. I, I get that. I get that too. I will say, you know, now that I say it out loud about it's an old, archetype. Just like James Cameron's uh, moral stories, it's just a type of story we tell. But I would say, you know, I think now that I say it about old, I have started gravitating more towards content that seems to insult the audience, both practically and also just like in text like, like that's why i watch velma too because it seems to like hate the audience yeah way too much stuff is meant to coddle audiences now meant to get people to like it and like th we've just seen more and more shows and movies now that are much more like i dare you to turn me off it is not velma's job to educate you it's not or entertain no <laughs> no one knows what velma's job is that's a big part of the show 
even asking what Velma's job is as a show or as a colored mystery solving woman is a sign of your privilege and entitlement. You should you should just be glad to listen. You should be glad to listen. You should be glad to learn. Yeah, you know, and I think that's a great place to end it. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about whales. I've learned a lot about spiders, and I've learned a lot about the planet Pandora. You know, I want to thank you for joining me, Alex. I know, you know, you were traumatized by this movie, much like Willie was traumatized by the wholesale genocide of his whale population. And so I thank you for sitting through this hard, hard time. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. I still see it when I close my eyes. I can't sleep at nights. I am uh, I was too high. I reduced my mind to the state of a child. And now I am terrified of uh, malls based mm. on my experience in Avatar 2. Mm. Happens to the best of us. Well, Alex, why don't you tell people where they can find your work and we'll get out of here. If you if you are an, a fan of politics podcasts, you can check out Pod Dame America. Brandon's been on there a few times. Uh, I have an anime show called Ballin' Out Super. And I have a series of radio plays that I do called Theater of Delights, which I've just lost, launched a Kickstarter for for a new season. I write full scripts and make incredible story dramas that you can immerse yourself in, much like Avatar 2 The Way of Water. And uh, that's all online at Kickstarter, Theater of Delights. Uh, my newest show is called Quarators, and that's just dudes reading Quora, which Brandon has, Brandon has also been on, and it's the new hotness. Go check that out. We're also on YouTube. That's Quarators, Q-U-O-R-A-T-O-R-S. Absolutely, and I will link all of that in the description so you do not have to search any of it. I know how people like to be spoon-fed links and also moral stories about whales. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for joining me again, Alex. Thank you.